for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so happy that you tune us in today and bring us into your lives. And we continue on with the book of Philippians and how we can have joy in our life, live life with a capital L. Uh, so hang with us. We're going to be in Philippians 2 today. Thanks again. Uh, we've been in the book of Philippians. We talked about living life with a capital L. And that's so important that we live life with a capital L. And that's what we talked about when we looked at chapter one of the book of Philippians. And we're going to continue that on looking at chapter two. We may get into three a little bit. We're definitely going to get through all four. I tried to game plan these this morning, figuring out where to start, where to stop during different lessons so we can do it tonight and not take terribly long because we know we have that dear brother giving you a report. There's nothing better than a missionary coming home to his churches and giving a report. I mean, the only thing better than that would be Christ coming back. And, uh, uh, and so we look forward to that. So we're in chapter two of the book of Philippians. So it starts right off and it says, if there be therefore, whenever we see that word therefore, we always go backwards in the Bible. When we see the word therefore, we're talking to what came before this. So when you're looking at verse number one or chapter two, you're really talking about 27 on, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. And folks, he can hear of their affairs in heavens. There'll be people who are dying and going to heaven. There are people going to be talking about hey, that church at Philippi, they hit a home run. They, they came out and knocked on my door. Hey, that church in Jessup, they went out on Saturday and, and man, they made a difference in how God worked through them. And, and I want to hear about those things. That's what it's talking about, 27 on. Uh, and it says, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Don't live a life in fear. The Bible teaches us that fear, it doesn't come from the Lord, right? God doesn't give us the spirit of fear is what the Bible says. The spirit of fear, living with fear, always being afraid, always being out there, that doesn't come from God. And so God's reminding us of that. And then we find ourselves here in chapter 2. If there be therefore, again, talking about what we just read, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, of any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Heavenly Father, we love you. Help us, dear Lord, we pray. God, be with us. Help us, Lord, to, uh, that the Spirit would come in and talk to our hearts, that your word would make a difference in our lives. It would be different because you visited with us today. God, we beg you if there's one among us who've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, we beg you, Lord, that today would be their day of salvation. We'd be quick to give you the honor and glory. You alone can save. You alone can change. Lord, we come to you and we pray that you'd open our hearts to your word, to your message. Oh God, we'd be different because we visited with your word today. Holy Spirit of God, uh, work within our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. If there be therefore any consolation, if God's going to console you, if God's going to come to you, he's going to give you grace. He's going to help you get through the things that are hard to get through. He's going to do a work in your life. If that consolation comes in Christ, folks, I'm here to tell you there's only consolation from one that's lasting. 
There's only consolation from one that will change everything. There's only consolation that will visit you in a prison in Rome and change your life. Only God can console you in that way. Now, I think it's important that we console people, but when we console people with the Word of God, when we console people, uh, bringing up God, it changes things. And then he says, and he says these words, I love these words, fulfill ye my joy. Wow. He's saying, you know what my joy is? My joy isn't the money I left behind. My joy is not the cars I had. My joy is not the house I have. He's saying, fulfill my joy. Just have unity. Have love. Follow Christ. Seek consolation from Christ that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. He's saying, just complete my joy. These things that I've taught you, we get to grab a hold of these things. We don't have to argue. We don't have to fight. We don't have to be caught up in things. But we get to follow God in a united way. And we can do that if we trust God for our, uh, our attitudes, the way we work with one another, our relationships. Interpersonal relationships are important to God. It's important that we have friends. It's important that we share the gospel. It's more important that we be in this local church. That's a big deal. But what Paul's saying here, what God's inspired him to tell us this morning is be like-minded. Fulfill my joy. Fulfill that for me. You guys get together. Man, you made a difference. When I planted that church, I saw it in you. When you guys started getting saved, when you took up the mantle, when you supported me as a missionary, when you, that's what he's saying to him. In a minute, we're going to see he's the only one. Uh, they're the only ones supporting Paul. They're the only ones taking care of those things. And he's saying, listen, you did these things for me. Now be united, be real, you're changing the world for God. You're doing the work that God would have you do. Isn't that a wonderful thought there? You're doing the things that God would have you do. Be like-minded. Let nothing be done through vain glory or strife or vain glory, but in lowliness or mind, let you esteem other better than ourselves. You know, vainglory is a tough thing. He says, let nothing be done through strife. Don't be arrogant. Don't one-up people. You don't have to do better than somebody. You don't have to be prideful. He says, you know, there's humility and there's pride. And he's making a difference. He's drawing a contrast there in life. He says, you can do it this way or you can do it this way. But I want you to do it this way. Lowliness of mind. Be meek, be spirit, be humble when you talk to people. Love people. One of the things I've forced myself to do, especially more recently in life, these last couple of years have been a great growth period for me and only because of God. And, uh, and Debbie and I are struggling. I mean, we're reading, we're trying to, we want to be more humble. We want to be uh, better servants. We want to be better parents. We, you know, when we deal, dealing with married kids is different. It's, uh, we want to be good at it, but we want to be godly at it, and we want to help people. And, and, but you don't do that on a prideful side. Right. I never want to say to my kids, well, you know, I, I wasn't handed everything in life, and I didn't do these things because God did everything for me that I ever got. It's about what God has done in my life. And I want to recognize what they're doing in life. They're doing great. Uh, They're in church. I wish one of them was in a church more like ours. I'm glad the other one is. Uh, They're, you know, they're serving God. They're not going out and doing terrible things. They're not getting arrested. They're not doing all this. But I want to approach them as I approach everybody in the world and, and first mention how great they are. And then mention how God is doing a work in their life. I want to approach things through a lowliness of heart and spirit. I want to approach them with love. I, 
I call my kids all the time. I called my kids yesterday. I call my kids. I, I just want them to know, hey, I love you. I don't know when the last time God is going to allow me to say I love you before right. he calls yeah. me home. I want that thought to be with them. I'm one of those guys. I'm an emotional dude. I told you guys, the worst thing I ever did, I went to a marriage conference with Debbie, and we went to a marriage conference up in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and the brother who ran the wilds, I can't think of his name right now, the head guy at the wilds for years, he came out and spoke, and he said, boy, if you're harboring any feelings or you're holding anything or you did your wife wrong or you did your husband wrong, I want you to go, and they had a Starbucks set up here at the hotel, get some Starbucks, sit down with them. So I wrote down everything I think that I had done wrong to my wife and hadn't treated her right, and I came up with seven pages and two chai teas, seven pages. And so over the next day or two, and I'd say, honey, I'm sorry for Christmas 1984 uh, when I didn't like my gift, and and I love you, man, and it was bad, and I'm sorry, and, and, and you know, uh, New Year's. Uh, 1985 when, when I got mad and left you there and I'm, and I'm going through that and going through all of, but I did come back and get her 70 seconds later but I, I went through it and I said I'm sorry day two she said to me stop it I, I accept all the apologies we're only two and a half pages in man I can't make it all seven pages I'm one of those emotional guys. I can't help it. She came up with three items, you know. I came up with seven pages. And I was still writing when they said, okay, you did enough, Doug. Bring it back in. But I want to be lowly. I, I, I want to I, I I treat my wife with humility. I don't want to one-up. We don't even try to one-up. We don't have fun that way anymore. We have fun in other ways now. We don't pick on it. I don't know when that happened. I said to her, I don't know. I said, what happened about 10 years ago when we stopped fighting? What? I want to share that with people. She said, I don't know. We just got sick of fighting with each other. I, I can't explain it. I mean, it's, it's the weirdest thing ever, but it's going forward in the right way. Don't be strife. No vainglory. Look not at every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. How do you look at people? Yeah. Do you look at people and what they can do for you? Do you look at people and how they fit your category, how they fit your mold? Do they conform to you? Do you pick friends that look like you? I realized that I was hanging around with all people like me. You know, they, my friends, it was, it was not very varied at all. I didn't have anybody. My friends liked the same things I liked, did the same things I did. I had to expand that a little. I want to look at people differently. I want to look at people as God's children and how God can use them and, and, and how I can help them get closer to God. That's how I want to look at people anymore. I don't want to change people anymore. I don't want to, you know, I, I told my wife when, when I got married to her, uh, I don't have to change you. Hey, folks, we'll be right back with you. Hang with us. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Here we go. You're already pretty awesome. 
you might have to change me a little bit because I'm kind of a knucklehead, but, uh, but we really, we're not about changing. We're about growing together and letting God change us. I can't change people. Even when I was in the army, I could yell at somebody and give them an order and say, I want you to do this. Do it. And I'd change it for a day or two of the time they were in the army. But God can change you forever. That's right. God can completely change things. And uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I love that Paul said, don't be like me. I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm asking you to have the mind that Christ has. I'm asking you to take your life and make it about Christ. I'm asking you to take your life and make it look like Christ and in the Word of God. I'm not asking you to make it look like me because I fall short. I'm a human being. I'm not going to do well at this. I'm asking you to make your life look like Christ. And, and, and folks, we don't want to ask people to look like us. We don't want to ask people to be like us. We want to ask people to be like Christ. We want to help them get there. We let God do the changing. And, and that's what Paul's talking about there. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He's the only one, 100% God, 100% man. He thought it not robbery. He was God. He was there in the beginning. Read John 1.1. 1, 1. That's a whole sermon onto its own there. He's always been there. Read Genesis 1.1. Just keep on going. It says, uh, and it goes on, but made himself of no reputation. You know, here's the guy who became a carpenter. Here, and there's nothing wrong with being a carpenter. I went to tech school to be a carpenter when I was in high school. But, I mean, he's God. He could have made himself the greatest surgeon ever. He could have made himself anything, the, a politician, all these different things. He went out and worked. He was humble. He was sweet. He, he, he had humility. And, uh, but made himself of no reputation, folks. We don't need a reputation. Uh, our life should point people to Christ. Right. Our life shouldn't be what our reputation is. Our life should point people to Christ. Wherever we are in life, we should be pointing people to Christ. Say, go that way. Live that way. And, right. and folks, when we live that way, a lot of the ills, a lot of the things that bug us, a lot of the things that rub us the, long way, the wrong way, a lot of the things that keep us from being real good friends with people and stuff, uh, I mean, that opens all up when we start worrying about what Christ has to say about things. My best friend now, he's all messed up, man. I got a new best, I got a bunch of best friends. I don't have regular friends. I, all my friends are like kind of best friends like in my life. I got a couple that have come into my life in like the last four, yeah, I don't quantify them. They're all great, man. But I got this one guy, he's a freak. He, uh, uh, he owns like five car dealerships. He's managed them. He, He's got all these different things going on. He's more messed up than a soup sandwich. I mean, his, his life's a wreck. It's great hanging out with him because he's always messed up more than I am. And uh, I love the guy, man. He, and he's a good guy. He cries easy. He laughs all the time. I go, hey, bro, what's going on? Hi, <laughs> Doug. So glad to hear from him. I'm like, whoa, I like this guy. He laughs. All you got to do is say hello. I think he might have had some bad pot somewhere in his life. I don't know. He's one of my new best friends. I was driving down the road the other day, and he's chasing after me. I said, this guy's chasing me, blinking his lights and stuff. Now, you know, you're reaching for the gun under the seat, and you're locking and loaded. You know, I'm, I'm ready to take him out. It's him. He just said, he calls me on the phone, and I got the gun getting out, you know, and I, I, I answer the phone real quick. He's like, hey, I'm following you. I had to put the gun back down under there. I said, you're weird, man. But he's completely different. I love the guy, man. We got off an exit, had a cup of coffee. This guy, I would have never, he came to church one time. I hung out with him. I said, I know that. I'll hang out with him. 
Had another guy came to church one night, and they were homeless. They were sitting in the front row, and the pastor said to me, he said, hey, he said, they're homeless. They're living in a tent. They're trying to get a job at BMW. I said, I got them after church. I took them to Burger King. I bought them enough burgers to fill them right up. I took them to Publix and got them canned goods and stuff, got them some matches, got them some blankets. You know, they're both in our church today. One's a Sunday school teacher. He's a manager at BMW. They own a beautiful four-bedroom, three-bathroom home. They got a pool out in their backyard. He's one of my friends. They became my friends. I got him an angry whopper at Burger King. You don't take people who are hungry and get them angry whoppers. It's got all that jalapenos in there and stuff. It ruined their lives, but they're still my friends. <laughs> and being found in passion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, in verse 8, unto death, even to death of the cross. Wherefore, God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Christ is above every name. Emulate Christ. That in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. It's coming. If you haven't bowed yet, you will bow. It's coming. And, uh, and it goes on and it says, of things in heaven and the things of this earth, things under the earth, in that every tongue should confess the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, every tongue isn't going to get saved, but there will come a time at a judgment where every tongue will confess he is the Lord and Savior. And that's going to be a sad day for people who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and didn't accept it. And things in earth and things under the earth. Oh, I skipped up a verse. I, Wherefore, my beloved in 12, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work not... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what God's Word is saying here is you don't have to work to be saved. Now, it's bigger than that. Right. Saying you got saved. Now, work it out. Do something with that. I gave you this wonderful salvation. I saved you. I completely changed your life. Now, do something with it. Work it out. Uh, teach Sunday school, bang on doors, uh, be kind, be a better human being, chase after your buddy down the road at 90 miles an hour, blinking your lights, hang out with people, have coffee, make a difference. Wow, what a difference that makes. For it is God which worketh in both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and dispute. That's meddling, right? God's meddling with that. Do it and don't complain about it. Show up and do it and don't complain about it. Wow. That's some pretty heavy stuff right there. Sometimes I want to do things I want to complain about it, but then I'm doing it in the flesh. I don't want to do things in the flesh. I want to do things in the spirit. And there's a difference, folks, and that's what that's talking about. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's hard. He's saying you get to shine as lights of the world, but live a blameless life while you're doing it. Don't be one of these people. I, I knew a guy one time, he would give a million dollars a year to people, and he'd call you up and remind you of that. He used to give me $50,000 a year at Armed Forces Baptist Missions. He'd give me 50 grand, and five times that year, he'd remind me he gave me 50 grand. Then one year, he called me up, and he said, yeah, I'm getting together. I'm giving out all the money to all you guys. I'm thinking of giving you 50 grand again. And I said, brother, I said, why don't you go with someone else this year? Why don't you give it to somebody else? 
If I've got to be reminded that you gave 50 grand to our ministry, and it's great, I bought a missionary a car, I, I, did, uh, I bought everybody prayer cards, I bought everybody brochures, I took care of everybody on deputation, I gave secretaries bonuses, I mean, it helped to really change things, but I don't want him doing things in sin that puts me in a bad place in sin. I don't want to be murmuring and complaining and reminding and begging. I just want to do things for people and leave. Just do it and leave. Just go do it and leave. And and do it for God, not for this world. Holding forth the word of life in 16, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Folks, if it's about God, you will not run in vain. It's about God, you will not labor in vain. If your life is about God, if one person is having a better life because of something you've done, you've succeeded. If you brought somebody closer to God, you've had a good life. If there's one, hey, there was a lady who was buried at our church. Just We had our funeral service. We went down and buried her. And uh, she, I was telling preacher, her and her husband wrote a book, One, O-N-E by no, one, W-O-N by O-N-E, one by one. Hey, folks, we'll be back with you tomorrow. You don't want to miss the conclusion of this series. May God bless you. Hang with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.